And now it's time for us to discuss more of these headlines and civil keywords with Adam joining us via Zoom. Good morning, Adam. Good morning, Lena. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. You have an echo in your voice now. That's new. I do. My uh, earphones don't seem to be working at the moment, so I'm afraid I'm going to have to go hands-free. <laughs> Something new for us each day. Thank you for keeping us on our toes. <laughs> There's uh, some technical difficulties, uh, unsuspectedly, so I do apologise if I do sound a bit echoey. Over the weekend, you'll have it rectified and you'll join us fresh Monday morning, I expect. I certainly will do, yes. <laughs> All right, let's jump into our keyword news portion of the day. This is our first pick. Mr. Everything. <laughs> that is really his nickname, isn't it? Uh, Saudi Arabia's crown prince Mohammed bin Salman was uh, wrapped, uh, has wrapped up his trip in Korea, a short one instead. He initiated a slew of agreements with the president and expectedly a business tycoons, perhaps Mr. Everything's of our own. What's the latest? Certainly. Uh, they placed from the ties in the fields of energy, defense and construction. The slew of agreements that you mentioned are worth an estimated $30 billion or uh, about four trillion one. President Yu told Bin Salman he hoped the two nations can expand cooperation, uh, calling Saudi Arabia a key partner for its economy and energy security. Uh, Yu hoped to see South Korean companies' participation in projects such as the Neom uh, Smart City project in Saudi Arabia and further cooperation in the defense industry and future energy such as hydrogen. Now, the prince noted the role of Korean businesses over the years in the development of Saudi Arabia's national infrastructure and wanted to see stronger cooperation with Korea. Now, in particular, he said he would like to drastically strengthen cooperation with South Korea in the areas of defense industry, infrastructure and construction. Both countries actually signed 25 investment contracts and business cooperation MOUs. The scale of the projects the two countries agreed to jointly promote amounts to tens of trillions of won. So um, a lot of money there. Now, expectations are growing that if cooperation proceeds as planned, Korea will enjoy a second Middle East boom following the 1970s. Now, of note is the cooperation project between Hyundai Rossum and Railroad Vehicle Affiliates of Hyundai Motor Group and Saudi Arabia. Uh, Hyundai Rossum signed an MOU with the Ministry of Investment of Saudi Arabia for railway cooperation related to the Neom City project, which is this $500 billion, rather, new city project being promoted mm. by Saudi Arabia. Uh, cooperation is also promoted in the next generation energy sector, Five companies, including Ketco and Samsung CNT, signed an MOU with Saudi Arabia's Sovereign Wealth Fund to develop green hydrogen. It is a project to build a green hydrogen and ammonia production complex on the Red Sea coast of Saudi Arabia with an annual production capacity of 1.2 million tonnes between the years um, 2025-2029. And they clearly sound like hefty projects. But uh, with some of these major MOUs signed, we'll keep tabs on what comes next. A mutually beneficial relationship. That's what we look forward to, right? Certainly. Speaking of which, in other diplomatic headlines, we have our second keyword of the day. Chip diplomacy. So President Yoon and the Dutch Prime Minister Mark Ruda discuss ways to enhance economic security ties and to strengthen cooperation in the semiconductor and nuclear power industries. Can you tell us the details? 
Right, well, this was the second summit between Yoon and Ruta following one that took place on the sidelines of the NATO summit that was held in Spain back in June. They agreed to elevate bilateral relations to a strategic partnership, and they also underscored the importance of the two countries in lowering vulnerabilities in the semiconductor supply chain. Uh, the leaders also made a series of agreements to enhance bilateral ties in the fields of politics, security, economy and culture. You told reporters in a joint press conference with Ruta that they agreed to further strengthen the complementary cooperation, as he put it, between the Netherlands, which is a strong in uh, semiconductor production equipment, and South Korea, which is, of course, strong in semiconductor manufacturing. Um, he expressed hope that such cooperation would contribute to stabilizing global supply chains. He also said the two sides shared an understanding on the growing importance of nuclear energy amid the global energy crisis spurred by the uh, Russian invasion of Ukraine. Um, they agreed also to back related cooperation by establishing a communication channel to discuss the construction of new nuclear power plants in the Netherlands. You noted that the two countries will enhance their partnership in responding to new challenges as well, such as North Korea's nuclear missile threats, uh, the war in Ukraine, and global supply chain disruptions. Rusa also said he appreciates South Korea's strong stance on Russia's invasion of Ukraine and added that the Netherlands strongly support the South in the face of North Korea's provocations also. All right, with that, we move on to our third keyword of the day. CSAT over. So as we reported yesterday, about half a million students have completed a nation's college entrance exam, a majority of whom are in their teens. Analysts say it was relatively easier than last year. But that, of course, is quite subjective depending on your strengths and weaknesses. What's the assessment? Right. It's hard to generalize kind of the difficulties of these exams because, of course, it might be difficult for some and uh, easier for others. And uh, it was the third CSAT the country has held since the outbreak of the pandemic. And, of course, a slew of antivirus measures were implemented uh, this year round as well. It was also the first for which applicants who tested positive for the virus were allowed to actually leave their homes and hospitals to take the exam on site, although there were separate uh, venues and rooms mm. for such test takers. The exam committee earlier said that it drafted questions that properly reflect the content and level of high school curriculum and assess a test taker's scholastic ability. It added that about 50% of the questions are based on lectures from the state-run education uh, broadcasting system, or EBS. Um, exam analysts at private educational institutes said the Korean language section was easy compared to last year. The level of difficulty for mathematics was actually similar uh, to last year, and consensus on English was a bit mixed. But analysts also point out that since last year's exam was notably, di uh, notably difficult, probably the most difficult, mm -hmm. um, according to some analysts, it didn't really take much for this year's CSAT to be somewhat easier compared mm -hmm. to last year's exam. Um, but other analysts note that the pandemic has led to learning disparities, especially amid the era of online classes, which for students could mean a tougher exam. Mm -hmm. uh, now, overall, the competition among the top performers, academically speaking, mm -hmm. uh, looks set to be 
uh, quite fierce uh, this year round, according to analysts. That is kind of an annual occurrence, right? Uh, the overall competition getting more heated. But I, I do think there is something more serious to be discussed as far as the learning disparities go. It was exacerbated a great deal during the height of the pandemic. Those who had more money would seek private lessons otherwise, uh, otherwise. but for those who couldn't afford it, uh, they would just rely on textbooks and maybe, if that, online classes, right? Well, that's certainly some, a factor to consider uh, when considering the kind of disparities in terms of the results uh, from the uh, exam, which will be coming out on December 9th. All right. As for what will the students do next now that most of the seniors are, I don't know, experiencing freedom for the first time ever? We'll talk about that in detail on our social media minute, too. It's funny because a lot of these surveys say that majority of students want to get part time jobs, too. And I thought that's interesting because uh, you'd want to ideally rest. But I guess some are more energized than ever before. Certainly. I mean, uh, yeah, it certainly has been a time and period where a lot of people want to, you know, enjoy their free time and <laughs> all the power to them. All right. On to our fourth keyword of the day. SRBM launch. So North Korea has fired a one short-range ballistic missile into the EC. It's the second missile provocation in a little over a week. Not to be completely desensitized, but we've been seeing more frequent of them. So one short-range ballistic missile feels a little shy. But what's the latest, Adam? Right, so yet another provocation by North Korea. The missile flew about 240 kilometers with an altitude of 47 kilometers. It was launched from the Wonsan area of Kawan province. And this missile test came eight days after North Korea's latest missile firing, which was another SRBM that was launched towards its east coast. Uh, Thursday's missile test also came hours after state media published a statement from the North's Foreign Minister, Che Sun-hee. Now, in her first statement as a foreign minister, Che announced the, or denounced rather, the South Korea-U.S.-Japan uh, trilateral summit that was held on the sidelines of the ASEAN summit in Cambodia, where they agreed to work toward reinforcing the U.S.'s extended deterrence and to sternly respond to the North's provocations. Chair warned of a more violent military response should the U.S. stand by a plan to strengthen its extended deterrence to regional allies. She defined the recent joint drills by Washington and its allies as provocative and bluffing military activities. She said they were no match as well to counter what she called the North's overwhelming response. Uh, the minister warned that such trilateral cooperation will only place the peninsula in a much more unpredictable phase. She didn't really elaborate on what that meant, but there has been speculation that North Korea could conduct its seventh nuclear test. Whether that is a, um, uh, a hint at that remains to be seen. But of course, more tensions on the Korean peninsula again. And finally, we move on to our last keyword of the day, an economic trend that exacerbates the social disparities. This is our fifth keyword of the day. Income disparity. So income disparity among households continues to widen, especially as pandemic-related support was reduced this year. So less of a break for those who perhaps need that immediate alleviation. Run us through the latest. Right. Well, according to Statistics uh, Korea, uh, South Korea's real household income adjusted for inflation recorded actually the first fall in five quarters in the third quarter amid surging inflation. Uh, the monthly average income per household with one or more family members stood at just over 4.9 million won in Q3. That's up 
3% from a year earlier. The nominal income kept growing for the fifth consecutive quarter, but the real income declined at 2.8% in the third quarter, uh, marking the first reduction in five quarters. The monthly average income of households in the bottom 20% income bracket fell 1% over the year to just over 1.1 million one. It was actually the only group in which incomes actually declined. Uh, income for households in the top 20% income group went up by uh, 3.7% to more than 10.4 million one. So you could just see the large difference in terms of uh, the income between the two brackets. Right. Um, the monthly average expenditure of households in the bottom bracket was up 4.5% to nearly 1.5 million one. Expenditure by the top bracket grew 4.7% uh, to almost 7 million one. So nearly six times uh, more the income and expenditure uh, between the two um, income brackets, which has always been a years-long uh, sticking issue between, mm. uh, in terms of the economy in, in Korea, and not just in Korea, but other countries worldwide as well. While the rich get richer, the poor don't get the break. I mean, that's been a narrative that's all too common. Now, we talked about uh, some of the forecasts by Trend Korea, I remember around this time of the year last year, and this was one of the major points that we had to make, that the gap will widen when it comes to income disparity, and that the ripple effects of that in society is something we talk about in headlines all the time. Now, as for what comes next, I, I think it's tricky because it doesn't seem like the economy will recover or even begin to recover until late next year. Yeah, I mean, we can see these disparities get worsened, especially in times of uh, kind of a downward trend in global economy. And uh, we are in facing a recession at the moment, globally speaking. Uh, we're in the area of high inflation as well as high interest rates as well, which mm -hmm. become even more of a burden, especially for those low income earners as well. So especially in this time of year and when what the analysts are saying uh, early next year as well, this disparity will pretty much widen um, for the foreseeable future. How much can government intervention help, if any? We'll keep tabs on that, too. Thank you so much, Adam, for joining us. Have a safe weekend. We'll see you next week. You too. Have a wonderful weekend. See you next week. If you're listening to our program using the podcast service, just a reminder that we do go live Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. Korea Standard Time. So tune in and help us make the show more informative by giving us your input. See you bright and early on Good Morning Seoul.